Huskies on Tap, a podcast for the Huskies by the Huskies, presented to you by the On Tap Sportsnet. First and foremost, myself, Brandon Suarez, and Ethan Wiles, we do apologize for the brief hiatus. We had a long year with school and work. We both took a little bit of vacation time, but I promise you, everyone, we are back to get more interviews to the people, more content, articles, whatever you want. We got it. But let me check in with my co-host, Ethan Wiles. Ethan, how you doing today, brother? Good. Like you said, uh, took some time to rest up a little bit, take some vacation. You as well. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, it is good to be back and, and talking Husky sports. Uh, we've got a lot to break down going forward and, and a lot of things that we have to look forward to going forward as well. So, And like you said, a lot of stuff has happened since the last time we spoke. I remember as my feet touched the sand in, in uh, beautiful Fort Lauderdale, I literally pulled out my phone to put music on, and the first thing I see is the Big Ten is switching to an only conference schedule. So we're going to get right into it. Iowa and Maryland are now off the schedule as they have switched to a Big Ten-only schedule, which those are kind of our, our litmus tests. Those are our big games. Those are where we kind of see where we're at. Um, just against the rest of the college football landscape. Because obviously we know, you know, through the past 10, 15 years, we've had a pretty dominant history here in the MAC conference. But we always play good in those big out-of-conference games. And I know that's a big thing in recruiting. Ethan, where were you at and what was your reaction when you found out about this news? Oh, it was definitely tough. Uh, obviously, in previous pro- podcasts and off-air or two, you know, I've talked about going to Iowa and talking about how big of a game that was going to be. And now it's taken away. And um, obviously we had talked about going to Maryland as well. So that would have been uh, a different trip for us. But really, like you said, this would have been two teams that we would have really tested our strength this year. And I think that uh, it's tough that it's taken away from us like that. But, um, you know, there are teams that NIU will probably reach out to and want to play uh, for the schedule going forward. And I mean, even in futures, uh, future schedules to come, you know, Notre Dame's on the schedule, Michigan's on next year's schedule. So we still see teams like that going forward, and we hope that we can get bigger matchups like that, whether it's in the fall or the spring. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, if you really look at it, no one knows truly what is going to happen. Um, I know you haven't been home as much as I have, but every time I leave my house, those guys are out there practicing. I hear hammocks whistle or, who, you know, whatever coach it may be. So those guys are preparing for a full season regardless of who their opponents are. And if we, you know, if it's eight games in the max schedule or 10 games in the max schedule, and then we let it ride that way, who knows at this point, but I will tell you this. I do know that that team is preparing as if they were playing a regular season, no pandemic, no anything outside of that, but it is tough because, you know, when we play those games, I mean, last year I would, I'm going to, I'm going to pick the Vanderbilt game. Okay. Cause we didn't play as well against Nebraska and you know, it, the Vanderbilt game, was a one possession game down to the end and they almost came back in that game. Those are the type of games that you expect to see from this Northern Illinois football team when they go and play a school from a power five conference, obviously Nebraska, it was, you know, the shiny lights, whatever may have happened. It got out of hand a little bit in the second and third quarter, but in the first quarter they hung strong and they looked like they were going to hang for that whole game. So it's going to be tough to not have like that. Like I said, those litmus tests, those measuring stick games, where you go and, you know, those schools, maybe they have a nicer facility, although I do think that Chesick is top-notch facility in college football. They may have more money, a bigger stadium, more fans. But when you get in between those lines, you got to come and see us. And, and we've seen, you know, we've, you, Ethan, you posted it a couple weeks ago, uh, Michael Turner's stats from Alabama and, and, you know, the Turner the Burner website. That was a great find by you. These are the games that you look back on as a Northern Illinois fan and those are the games that you build your history on, beating teams like Bama, Maryland, Iowa just a few years ago. Hell, they beat my brother's team, Northwestern. This is a team that is built to be in a bigger conference. We're just in a small school or a small city, I guess. Right, and that's what you get with the group of five schools as well. And and I think adding on to it, a power five school in, in the beginning of your season, like you said, not only is a litmus test, but it really kind of motivates you to be better. You, you want to be better to beat these teams. And, and no matter what, like you said, they played a one-possession game against Vanderbilt, and they played a, a close first quarter against Nebraska. And, you know, obviously we didn't see the results we wanted to at the end of the season, but those games at the beginning of the season will make your football team better. 
And like like I said, it sucks that it was taken away from us. We'll see what we get with the max schedule. But like you said, those guys are working hard every day. Those guys are working like uh, like they're preparing uh, in two weeks. And, and like Coach Hammock told us on the podcast, he's following the schedule that him and uh, the coaching staff came up with. And until we hear otherwise, I mean, he's getting ready for, for what now? Is it September, late September now? Something like that? Well, yeah, and, th- and that's going to lead me into my next point. So Rhode Island, obviously, being an FCS school or a Division II school, however you'd like to cut it, they will not be making the trip out to DeKalb to play us. So that's not as big of a game. But, again, that's another one of those non-conference games. And as you saw, kind of like, you know, most teams in that first week – they're going to schedule not necessarily like unless you're Bama or like USC or one of these teams that gets those uh they get the Chick-fil-A like kickoff game. Most teams don't schedule too heavy in that first week. So Rhode Island would have been a good a good game to make sure that you know the train has left the station it's at least moving before we you know head into those other tougher non-conference games and then ultimately conference play. Right, a good tune-up game week one, make sure everything is right, you know, make sure the the play calling is in order, especially getting ready for that big week two game. Um, so like like we said, it's tough. Uh, you hate to see that we lose now three games on the football schedule. We don't know exactly what the MAC will do, but either way, I think this team will be ready for whatever gets thrown at them, uh, the, whether it's this fall or this spring. Yeah, absolutely. And, and to read them off real quick, so with the Rhode Island game being canceled, our opener would be against Eastern Michigan September 19th. Then they have a two-week break. They're at home against Kent State. They play them on uh, October 3rd. October 10th, they play Central Michigan at home. October 17th, they travel to Muncie, Indiana to go play Ball State. October 24th, the only non-conference game still on the schedule to this point, the BYU game, the original uh, – the Chi-Town Showdown, which was going to be played where the Chicago Fire used to play up in uh, Bridgeview, uh, is going to be now on campus in DeKalb and, and still is, I guess, as this schedule says, will be played at this point, but that's subject to change. And then Halloween game, obviously, remember, they changed that from Election Day to Halloween. They're going to be playing against Buffalo and DeKalb. November 10th, they will be playing Western Michigan up in Michigan. Uh, and then the 17th of November at home against Toledo, and then they close it off against uh, North or against uh, Bowling Green on the on the 27th of November, which is kind of in line with where they ended. They ended on the 26th last year, so nine games, eight of which are conference at this point. But again, I'm just a guy reading something off of a phone on a podcast. So <laughs> you know, Ethan, you know just as much as I do. We don't, we don't know what is actually going on, but that's a pretty solid schedule, and I think they could do some damage if that is their schedule. Yeah, and it could be interesting too, especially if they keep that. I doubt they'll keep it the same the way it is right now, but if they do, that two week bye after the first week against Eastern Michigan could be huge if that's kept in there. Uh, like I said, I don't think it will. I think eventually um, they'll work its way around that. BYU could be interesting as well. They're that independent school, uh, similar to Notre Dame status. Um, so that could be interesting to see if that stays on the schedule. But really, if they keep that that two two week buy after Eastern Michigan could be very interesting and could be very helpful for this team. Yeah, and that's the thing too. You know, you kind of play that first game against Eastern Michigan, see where you're at. Do some things in practice that maybe, you know, you, you know worked well in the game or, or elaborate on stuff that you wanted to get into the game plan and didn't and get it ready for your game against Kent State. But the thing is, and, and we're seeing this in baseball right now, you know, with the 60 game season, if the game if the games are dropped down to nine games for this season. Yep. Every game is magnified. Yeah. So you can't. And I mean. I'm that type of asshole where I'll say, you know, let's just go nine and zero. But I, I do feel like, you know, a solid seven and two or an eight and one is not too tall of a task for this team. And a lot of people, you know, all the the actual people that get paid to do what we do have this team winning about five games this year, and I just can't get down with that. Well, five games now. I mean, hey, that could, you know, that could potentially be something. But no, I really do think that if you're looking at the eight game schedule. I think six wins, five wins is where an IU should be at, and that should be up near the top of, of the division. 
Well, yeah, and if you look at it, I mean, the MAC is a cannibalistic conference, okay? We yeah. had a chance to get into the championship, and we finished our season five and seven without going to a bowl game. So the level of parity, I mean, although we do, you know, if I had to pull up the numbers, I would say we probably have the most MAC championships. You know, you still got to worry about teams like Western Michigan. Still got to worry about teams like Ball State. Central Michigan had a pretty good team, and they have some good athletes on there, guys like Khalil Pimpleton, that are going to make some noise. That'll be a hard day, you know, for our secondary to have to deal with. But the thing is, with this team, you know, we're essentially moving it to a high school football schedule. It's a nine-game schedule, just like similar to what we played in high school. And it, it's just, if it's all conference with that one BYU game, I still do think they can beat BYU. They're, you know, they're nothing crazy. They're middle-of-the-pack team, barely scraping by if they get in the top 25. I just think that they have every single chip positively stacked in their corner for this season. Not to say that I didn't think that they were going to compete and or beat Iowa or Maryland, but now if it's just conference, you know that at the end of the day, like I don't know what bowl season would be like, but at the end of the day, set your goal, Coach Hammock and the boys, go out there and win the conference. Because at this point, we don't know what the season is going to be like, but that should be, you know, the goal should be fine-tuned to winning the MAC. And then if you win the MAC, I'm sure that you will be compensated, you know, accordingly with with a good bowl game or some postseason. I'm going to take a look at this from, like, the worst-case scenario and say, let's say if college football does get moved back into the spring, this team is going to be so prepared. They've been working on the field for how many weeks now? They've been working over the summer into the fall. You throw a couple more months of practice at these guys, they're going to be ready to go. Yeah, and I mean, like we said, you know, they've been out there going at it. I'll leave at various times of the day and come back, and they're still practicing. Being a college football player is a job. But one thing that I wanted to bring up and we brought up on the last episode is, you know, Sean Frazier, our athletic director. So he has – he's – done a, I would say, just a little bit of a media tour, just, you know, doing interviews and been on the news and the radio and stuff. And he's been a big advocate of, you know, we really don't know what we're dealing with. We don't know what we're stacked up against. And I guess you would say he really wants the season to be pushed back towards the spring just because, you know, at the end of the day, he is responsible for his athletes. I mean, he is the athletic director. God forbid someone on the team, maybe one of the staffers or the coaches, you know, contracts this disease and something happens, you know, that would be absolutely terrible. And I know he would feel terrible about that. So even with that being said, you know, Sean Frazier is someone that cares about, you know, the organization. He cares about the players. He cares about everyone that has something to do with being a Husky. And I just feel like in these times, you know, it's up to our leaders to make the right decisions. And if he feels that moving football back to the spring is the best decision for our athletic program. I, you know, I got to ride with him on that one. Well, you touched on it exactly. I mean, he is responsible for college student athletes at the end of the day. And you see these pro sports going back and it's aspect going at it with professional sports returning because you're talking to adults that are talking about returning and risking their health. These guys are still 18 19, you know, what, 17, 18, 19 years old. So, um, you know, there's got to be some type of leadership there at the top. And like you said, Sean Frazier has been a guy who has been a leader from the beginning and I think is will ultimately make the right decision at the end of the day. Yeah, and ultimately, I mean, it's something that we discussed off air. We, we've kind of seen it with different cities and different governments. This is just going to come down to what your local government, what your state will allow. So we've seen, you know, Oregon is not allowing any sort of athletic events going on. I believe it is until or through September, right, Ethan? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So it's ultimately going to come down to what your state is going to allow. And it's, you know, it's one of those conversations that we don't like to have, but we, we absolutely have to have because at the end of the day, we're here to cover the team. And if there's no season, we got nothing to cover. So we will pay attention closely to this. But And a little bit of lighter news uh, on the topic of, you know, taking care of the athletes, sports performance, stuff of that nature. Uh, The the NIU Athletic Department did bring in a new director of sports performance in Junie Barnett. So welcome to Husky Nation, Mr. Barnett. We wish you nothing but the best of luck. And then we do have, um, 
you know, one one shout out. We do not have an ad for this, but I am going to go ahead and shout it out because we were tagged in the post by the NIU Athletic Department. But 30% discount off Huskies gear uh, for Husky students on Adidas.com. So if, you know, your NIU hat or your shirt or whatever you got that you rock to the games looking a little old, the numbers and the, uh, the lettering starting to rip off, go over to Adidas.com. Go get you some new Husky gear. Get ready for this season. You know, whether we're going to be watching at home or out at the stadium, we do want you to be representing. Big back to school special. Yeah, and I mean, 30% off, that's that's a steal. That is an absolute steal uh, for anything. And and you know our gear is not overly priced. Like, it's it's not too crazy priced. So you can definitely go out there and save some money. Uh, and then we do have, we got a list. We got another list of all Mac players. This one was a little bit more, um, I guess you would say, nice to the Huskies. But leading the charge, so there was 10 players on this list, the All-Mac preseason uh, list led out by Phil Steele. And some of the usual suspects, you know, you got Kyle Pugh, uh, Marcus Cox, John Richardson, Matt Ferentz, Daniel Crawford. Showed some love to our guy Ross Bowers, Ethan, a Mr. QB1. I'm expecting him to have a stellar season this year. Yes, Tyrese, Tyrese Ritchie. And, hey, they may have listened to the podcast because guess who made the list as well? Yes, sir. Weston Kramer. Absolutely. Our guy Weston Kramer made it. Jordan Cole over there in the linebacking core. And then they showed a little bit more love to the special teams unit. I'm going to go out and dub it the number one special teams unit in all of the MAC. Eric Averill, the long snapper, earned his spot on the fourth team. So this list, a lot more, um, I guess you would say, uh, they did their homework because there's a lot of players on this team that deserve to, to get those honors. And, you know, at the end of the season when they're announced, we'll see a lot more names than we saw on these goofy preseason lists, and we won't be as mad, right? That and the fact that I just want to point out that, see, one, two, three, four, four of them are uh, redshirt freshmen or sophomores, two of them freshmen, two sophomores, and four of them are juniors. Only one on that list is a redshirt senior. Sorry, two of them, Bowers is a senior as well. Exactly. We got a lot of talent in the years coming forward. Yeah, and, and I mean, we'll get we'll get to uh, that towards the, the last portion of the, uh, the podcast today because we are going to get into our listener questions. I know we fielded them a, about a week or two ago on the Husky Fanatic page and on the Twitter, but just shout out to uh, Coach Hammock and his recruiting because if you look at that, the future is right here at NIU. And, you know, regardless of if we did lose some people to transfer or not, the man does his homework. He makes sure to recruit the right players. And then, too, like we've stated on this podcast, he's not just throwing darts at a dartboard. If he offers you, that means he wants you to come to campus. He's not just literally putting out a flyer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he advocates for that on Twitter, too. I was trying to pull up a tweet a couple, I think it was about a week ago. He was talking about his recruiting. But anyway, Coach Hammock is just I mean, he advocates for how good his recruiting is on Twitter. He preaches it on Twitter. And, I mean, at that point, you have the right to. Yeah, he's a busy man. Um, and, you know, like we said, we have the right leaders at, at the top of this, you know, food chain when it comes to Sean Frazier, Coach Hammock. Our coordinators are great. And, and I really do just think that the whole vibe and the whole chemistry that they have going into this season, whether it's eight games, nine games, 12, or they just play six of them. This team's going to be ready. They're going to be competitive and they are going to compete for that Mac championship. Uh, but with that being said, Ethan, I got nothing else on the news portion. Do you got anything else for the news rundown? No, other than the fact I wanted to touch on uh, Junie Barnett. I like uh, when I saw the hire, I, I looked up to see where he was at before, spent some time in the NFL. So talk about Coach Hammock and his coaching staff. Just keeps getting the NFL talent, man. Yeah, and I mean, you, you heard it from Ethan. You know, Coach Hammock is a guy with NFL pedigree. Uh, if you look at, you know, a guy like Coach Tony Sorrentino, he was over there with the Jags. He seems to be pretty tight with Allen Robinson and some of the NFL receivers. And they actually hopped on a Zoom call with, which must have been a pretty populated Zoom call because we got about 20 wide receivers fighting for five spots. All of them, you know, that, that those spots are up in the air. All of them are very talented. But I just, I really do think that, you know, going into this year, we have all the right pieces in place. 
And one of those pieces is going to be joining the podcast in just a few moments. Alrighty, everyone. Now we're on to the interview section. And today we are joined by a man, one of the men up front, one of the leaders. This is a guy who has seen success at multiple positions in his time with the Husky. This man leads by example with brute strength and unmatched intelligence. Today, we are joined by the anchor of our offensive line, Braden Patton. Braden, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're happy to be sitting here talking Husky football. The season is right around the corner. Uh, we see you guys getting after it. You know, we live right right down the street. And let me tell you, you guys are practicing almost like it's like it looks like six, seven, eight hours a day. How's everything been going so far uh, since you guys have gotten back to campus? It's been really well. It's going really well. Um, I think the guys are fired up to get back. That's for sure. It's been a long time, um, especially with this COVID thing hitting. Guys have been off campus. Guys have been home and haven't been able to do much. And uh, getting back has been something that everyone's been happy about. Yeah, you talk about getting back. Um, obviously, a, a tough time the last couple of months with the, the pandemic and the quarantine. Uh, what did you do to stay busy during that? Um, how was training like during that downtime? Uh, we kind of saw it on Twitter with Coach Hammock a little bit, but you know, from the players' perspective, what was that like training for the season uh, during quarantine? Yeah, um, it was tough. It, it, it was tough. It all depended on uh, what resources you had. Um, for me personally, I, I, was, I had access to a gym, uh, Buddy's Garage, where I was able to go and lift weights um, almost every day. So it all depended on what you had and what you didn't have and really just getting out and doing it. Um, that's basically the hardest part is getting up every day, being motivated to go do something. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to ask you, too, because the O-line is one of those positions where you have to eat like an insane diet to maintain weight, to maintain strength, to stay up there with the rest of the O-linemen in the MAC. What is, you know, a day in the life of Braden Patton diet style? Like, what are we eating to maintain? Yeah, so uh, you guys did it right. Um you got to eat a lot of, a lot of calories, a lot of calorie intake um, is, what the, is what they're telling us. So I try to eat about five meals a day, um, and then in between there, get some good snacks, um, healthy snacks. You know, try to cut out all the fat, the big fatty meals, um, the fried meals and everything. Um, it's hard to do. It's hard to, it's hard to be healthy every single meal, um, but – it's really how disciplined you are with eating your eating habits. It's something that you just got to pick up on. And, and, and our strength staff, too, they really help us out a lot by um, giving us things that are have, you know, the right amount of protein in it or maybe this much less fat in it. Um, so really just picking the good stuff to eat. Uh, and for, like you said, offensive linemen, we got to eat a lot. So really trying to get those calories in as much as you can. Yeah, especially it's tough. There's a lot of good food places on campus. Fatties comes to mind. Um, what is your favorite food spot? Or or I should say, what food spot will you miss the most come football season? Oh, that's a tough one. I'm a big Mexican food type of person. So I like Los Rancheros a lot, but I really enjoy Fatties too. Fatties is the ultimate. Like, I, I could not live without fatties probably if I went to the Cal or if I went to NIU. It's just, it's one of those spots that they have everything and everything that they have is good. Yeah. And I was going to say, we've gotten Los Rancheros before. I'm going to have to dig back in the archives. And I believe it was uh, one of the early guests. It may have been Spencer Tears or someone from the early few podcasts that we did, but two quality spots here on campus. I want to ask you a positional question. So what have you noticed are the main differences from playing offensive line in high school to playing it here, you know, in Division One college football? Yeah, so playing offensive line in high school, um, it all depends on where you go and how the competition is at your high school um, and depending on what state to the competition in football. It's the difference from going to high school to college. The biggest difference that I would say is probably getting better at your technique working your craft the more you can work your technique and the better you come become fundamentally is what's going to put you over the top from the guys that just have maybe the brute strength or the athleticism that's something that i've, I've learned throughout my college career because i wasn't always the strongest person but I've, I've worked on my craft throughout these past four years and having the coaches teaching me different techniques throughout these four years 
is what's really helped me improve my game. Yeah, you talk about your game here. A uh, little show notes we put on here. You've played both guard spots and the center spot. Which position on the offensive line do you feel you have the most success at? Which one do you feel most comfortable playing at? Um, if there's anything or if there's a position you feel going forward you feel better at, which one do you think that is? Um, that's a tough question. That's a tough question. Um, you know, I really feel like center is probably the best position to play because you're in control of literally the whole entire offensive line, every single play, and you're touching the ball every snap. You got to tell everyone, you got to know where, where the ID, where you're going to, where you're working every single play. You got to have your eyes up in case you see movement on the defense or alert to people, the different um, blitzes or movements or something, if something changes. So that's something that I, over the past year, from playing it after last year at the end of the last season, I've really enjoyed playing center. Um, not to say that every single position doesn't have their own specialty, but uh, I've really enjoyed playing the center position. Yeah, and you mentioned, you know, you're one of the leaders there on the offensive line. I, you know, I'm going to go out and say it. I know they pick captains just about every week, but I think you should be one of the season-long captains. Um, and Coach Hammock, even, he shared the tweet, you know, our little teaser tweet, and said he's a great leader as well. But you had mentioned, though, you know, you get to touch the ball every single play. I got to ask you, at, at any level of football, have you ever been a part of, you know, any sort of play like the annexation of uh, Puerto Rico or a Fumble type play? Um, no, not not since um, – actually, in high school, I guess, not. I wasn't on the offensive line, but um, I played defensive line, and I had an interception. But that was the most I've ever probably touched the ball um, since playing, you know, pl- since my football days. So. All right, I got to ask you, how far was the interception return? <laughs> um, well, we were, we were on – the other team was driving. They were probably on uh, our five-yard line. And I, I picked it off and probably ran for about 15 yards. And then tried to stiff arm a dude, but he he kind of cut me in. And just, <laughs> I just kind of fell. So, no, so the stiff, stiff arm there, total big man move. Yeah, <laughs> yep. He put the team on his back though. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I gotta ask you. You know, this is gonna be one of the. This is we're gonna call this the electric chair question of the uh, podcast. So you get put into an offense. You can only you know pass block or run block for the rest of your career. Which one are you picking and why? Oh, that's an easy question. Um, run block for sure. When you run the ball, it just wears on the defense. If I'm if I'm if I'm creating an offense, I'm creating an offense where I'm going to run the ball, and that's what that's the only thing I want to do. I'll pass the ball when I need to, but running the ball, there's just something about it. The the mindset that you have to have to run the ball to to pick a man up and put him from point A to point B. Um, it's just it's just something mentally that it, it just it messes with the people's head when you can just keep running the ball for four to five yards and they can't stop you. It's just awesome. That's that's what I would do. I would run the ball every single play if I could. Braden Patton is escorting people to the sideline. And I, and I got to ask you, man, can you place a call to Matt Nagy and tell him to run the damn ball this season? Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I wish, I wish I could call him. No, that, uh, the Bears, I think the Bears will be good this year. I, I really, I really do. I love to hear that, and especially coming from someone who plays the sport. We'll ask you real quick because we asked Cole when he was on the show, Mitch Trubisky or Nick Foles, and why? Oh, uh, I don't know. It's a tough one. Um, to me, I don't really know much. I mean, I know much of. I know a little bit about both, but I would say probably I, I would go with Mitch. Um, he's been in the offense. You know, what I mean, for the past three, two, two to three years, he knows what he's doing. It's just about production. So, and that's, that's really what all, all of the game football is about. You know what you're doing. When you know what you're doing, all you have to do after that is put the product on the field. It's all about can you do it or can you not? And uh, that's what I think. I love that. I'm a Mitch guy. I personally think he should start week one, and anyone else obviously is out of their mind. But whatever, that's just, uh, besides the point. Um, I'm going to ask you, going back to the offensive line here, you talked about how fun it is to run block. What is your favorite part about playing on the offensive line? Oh, man. The favorite part about playing on the offensive line is it's just not an individual position. You know, there's five of us. It's it's a unit. We call ourselves the Hogs, you know. It's not an individual position where you're going to get spotlight every single game or every play. When something's going right, when we run the ball for 250 yards, hey, so-and-so ran the ball for 250 yards. Um, 
you never really hear the offensive line getting the spotlight. And that's the best thing about it is because we're going to work and we're going to work in the dark. We're going to do whatever we have to do for the team. And that's the way I like to do it. I love to hear that. And, you know, we may be the only NIU podcast, but we are very pro offensive line and defensive line. When I submitted my interview requests, two out of the three were linemen, and then another person was a special teams player. I'll let the listeners do their uh, their searching because we have one off. We have linemen on here now, so it can't be Braden yeah. after this. But I gotta <laughs> ask you, man, you've played on some talented teams. You've won a MAC championship already here in your time as a Husky. Who are the top three players you've had the ch- uh, the chance to play alongside? Ooh, that is tough. So. I think what I'm what I, from my experience here at NIU so far, playing against, playing with, playing next to Max Sharping was something that I'm always going to cherish forever because he's a great player. He's an even better man. I got so much, so much help from him, either if it was about football or just in life. He was such a role model that everyone looks up to, and it was just awesome to play with him. After that. Kenny Galladay, he, that man was a freak. That man could do anything and everything. He's probably he's definitely going to be one of the best wide receivers to play the game of football. After that, Sutton Smith probably. Sutton was a great dude. Me and Sutton, um, we have connection back. Man, my my dad coached for Oklahoma for six years, and he came Sutton when he was a kid. We were on the same age. He came to a camp at Oklahoma. And we were on the same, like, basically we split up and we, we ran like seven on seven. It was like a camp. And he was on the same team as me. And we didn't even know it until we came here. And we saw pictures of each other that we were in. And it, it's just, he was a great dude. Um, even better football player. And he's, he's doing great. He's going to do great things in the league. I know he is. So you talk about that connection with him going back. Did that have anything to do with your decision coming to NIU? Or I guess what made you decide that here was your home? Yeah. So um, when I first got recruited at NIU, I didn't really know much about NIU. I wasn't I wasn't a highly talented recruit, anyways. Um, I only my only offers were here in Indiana State. And when I came to NIU, uh, I had a connection with the old O line coach Joe Tripodi. My dad and his my dad coached him at Northwestern a long time ago, and so there was a connection there. And then. Kelton Copeland, he was the running back coach. He recruited me out of Indiana, and we had a great connection. And then Coach Carey, obviously, it was just just the atmosphere that I came here and when I saw it was just I, I loved it. I wanted to be a part of it. And when I got my offer, I committed probably know, a couple hours after that because I just loved the energy. I loved the atmosphere here. I loved the tradition. I loved the program, and uh, I just thought I knew it was home. I mentioned it earlier in the, you know, when we were doing our news rundown portion of the episode, you know, NIU, especially the football program, they have that power five feel in the group of five, like the success, the wins, the bowl, you know, the bowl, not, not necessarily all the victories, but at least the appearance in the BCS, that's something that no other Mac team has done. This is a program that is built on success. It's built on hard work. And the majority, like, you know, we've talked about is built up front because this is a program that has run, they, they run the ball a lot. So I gotta ask, oh, yeah. I gotta ask you real quick though, because you know it's been a couple weeks since we've gotten the news. Instant reactions to you know, obviously we didn't think the football season was getting affected, but to the to the cancellation of the you know the Iowa game, the Maryland game, and the Rhode Island games. Yeah, um, seeing that it's tough. Obviously, being in my position too as a senior, uh, my last season, it's tough. To, it's tough to see it. It really is. It's just the times we're living in all right now. There's nothing we can do about it. We can only control what we can control. And uh, hopefully that um, we're able to have a season this year, this fall. And if we can't and they push it back to the spring, then even better. It's just, like I said, we can't control anything. We can only control what we can control. And uh, everything else, we'll see what happens from there. Regardless of when we get said football season, who is one player on offense and one player on defense that you feel is poised for a breakout season? Ooh, um, that's a tough one. I think on offense, I really think that uh, our running backs are poised for a breakout season. We have a lot of good backs coming in. We have a lot of young guys, new guys that are here, also older guys. But our running back group, I think, is very talent, talented, very stacked. And uh, I think 
there's a couple of guys in there that, that really can have a great breakout season for us this year. Defensive-wise, I think Dylan Thomas is, is some, some guy that I've seen working very hard, especially coming back from this pandemic. The first time he stepped on campus since the pandemic, he's been killing workouts. He's been doing everything he had, has to do. He's shown leadership qualities, and I think that this year is going to be big for him. Yeah, we, we love the work that Dylan's put in, and that's another guy that is kind of a gadget player. He can play multiple positions, super talented, very well-spoken, a super nice guy, great player to have in the locker room, I'm sure another leader on that defense. I got to ask you, who are some of the best friends that you have on the team? Yeah, um, mainly my roommates um, and all the old linemen. Uh, all the old linemen, man, it's it's a special group. Going from Marcus Cox to J.J. Lippi to Ben Olsen to Nolan Potter, everyone down the line, Logan, Chernitz, all those guys. It's it, it, Every single person on the O-line is a special place in my heart. Um, it's a special group of people and someone that some people that I love to be around every single day. The Hogs. I love that nickname. Who coined oh, yeah. that phrase? It's It's been around for a while, but hey, it's something that we use every single day. We break it down on Hogs every single day, baby. I love that. I'm going to start listening for that. And if I can get a video, oh, my God, I'm going to social clip that so hard. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. I got to ask you now, top three moments uh, as a member so far of the NIU football team. Oh, man. Um, Number one for sure is definitely the MAC championship. It's an unreal feeling to be a champion. And all the hard work that goes in that season and then coming out on top, it's unreal. It's a surreal feeling, that's for sure. Number two Probably going into Nebraska and beating them, that was a win for the ages. Um, we call, I, I know you guys know this, but we call them boneyard victories. And uh, that was one that's going to be lasted for, for a lifetime. It was awesome to go in there and silence 100,000 fans, see them all walking out and us getting in victory formation and kneeling the ball as time's running out. It was just awesome. My third favorite, that's a tough one. Honestly, probably beating last year, beating Toledo at Toledo. You know, Toledo is a team that we don't really have a rivalry, like a trophy or anything with them, but it's a rivalry to us. It's just something that we've always took pride in, and it's a team that uh, we've always clashed with in the West, and they've always been good, and we've always been pretty well too. But going down there and kicking a field goal late, driving down, kicking a field goal late, and then getting a stop at the end of the game, it was awesome. It was especially awesome to go in there and beat them there. At their place. Yeah, that was a, that was another boneyard. I mean, it was a lot more points, but that was another boneyard victory. They really got after Ross on that late hit, and I know as an offensive lineman, that would have me ready to do some Miles Garrett esque stuff. But hey, I'm um, glad every, <laughs> I'm glad everyone kept their cool and they did it the right way yeah. by going out and winning the game and then getting back to DeKalb before it got crazy. Uh, but I gotta oh, ask. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about the NFL. Who is your favorite team and who is your favorite player growing up? Oh, man. Um, my favorite team, probably because I grew up kind of, like I said earlier, in Chicago for a little bit, the Chicago Bears. I've always been a Bears fan. Um, I named my dog when I, when I was young after the Bears. So I, I've always been a Bears fan since I was a kid. Um, my favorite player growing up. You know, that's a tough one because I never really, I wasn't really playing offensive line until my freshman year of high school. So I was kind of just watching dudes. But probably my favorite player growing up was Adrian Peterson. The reason being was my dad was at Oklahoma when he played there. And then seeing him growing up and then going to the NFL and watching him tear up the NFL, almost breaking the rushing record and just come that comeback season after he tore his ACL, it just, That dude is just someone that's inspired me since I've been growing up. So I got to ask you, because you talked about, you know, watching AP grow up in college. Were you ever around the players with your dad as a coach there? Like, did you get to see AP, like, in the locker room or on the field, anything like that? Oh, yeah. Every single day I would come to practice. Not every practice that they had, but every single time I would come to practice, I would be out there throwing the ball around with my dad after practice, looking at these, shaking these guys' hands, just talking to them, hanging out with them. Um, after practice and stuff, it it was awesome. Eight, like I said, AP, Sam Bradford, Trent Williams, Lane Johnson, all those guys. It was awesome. Being a coach's son growing up is really cool in that sense is you get to meet all these great players or these guys that develop and then turn into pros. It's, it's awesome. First of all, I mean, that's amazing. To grow up with future NFL stars like that, 
to see a player grow up like that, what would you say, who is the most talented player that you've gone against in college so far? Hmm. The most talented player, you know, that's a tough one. I would probably say there was a, a D tackle from uh, Utah that we played against last year. Leaky Foto. He was, he's huge. Number 99. He was for Utah last year, but he, he just, I think he just got drafted by, I can't remember who he got drafted by this year, but it was probably in, I think fourth or fifth round, but the dude was probably six, 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 seven, three forty, And he could move like a defensive end. It was insane. It, it, it's hard to move him. And then, it's also hard to stay locked on to him. He was just so talented in so many different ways. And you could tell that he had progressed from his freshman year to his senior year. And he was definitely a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, I just pulled it up and he is 6'5", 335. So, I mean, you're a pretty big guy. You're what, about 6'5", right around, you clocking in right around at like, what, 300, 305 for the season? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I mean, even then, thirty pounds—that's still a lot of weight. And <laughs> you probably, he's oh, probably yeah. right over your face, just waiting for that ball to get snapped and to get after the quarterback. So that must not have been a fun afternoon keeping that man at bay. Uh, but I gotta ask you, as you know, one of the unquestioned leaders, one of the uh, you know fewer upperclassmen, you know, on this team. What are some words of advice to some of the younger players coming into the program, and especially during this testing time? Yeah. I would say uh, to guys coming in, to the younger guys, it's really how much you put into the game and how much you put into your fundamentals and how much you put into your film study is what you're going to get out of it. I didn't put as much into it going into my freshman year. um, And then I figured it out. Once I started to get with the older guys and start getting advice from them and then playing a little bit is when I started to figure it out. And the faster you figure all your stuff out, how much you want to put into it, how motivated you are to be bet, to be good, and how great you want to be, that's when you'll figure out your true self. That's when you're going to figure out, okay, this is what I want to do. This isn't just, I'm just not here. I'm just here to play. This is it. I want to turn this into a reality. I want to turn this into a lifetime. I want to turn this into the next level. Well, hey, regardless of whether we play college football this year, the fall or the spring, Uh, I would not want a better guy leading this team uh, like you. Before we wrap this up, uh, plug your social medias, uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatever you got going on these days. Feel free to plug it. Uh, Have our followers follow you. Perfect. All right. Thank you guys for having me on this, though. uh, It's awesome to talk football with you guys and, you know, talk about NIU. And um, hopefully we get this season rolling, man. Hey, we absolutely appreciate you taking the time, too, especially here on a Sunday night. Uh, what time? Real quick, you can tell the listeners what time you got to be up for practice in the morning. Yeah, we got uh we got workouts at uh, six a.m. early, bright and early. So I'm gonna get up <laughs> around five, you know. Oh yeah, it's hey, a grind. It's a grind. But, hey, it's what you it's what you got to do. And you know, a guy like yourself, you have the size, you have you know the athleticism, the intelligence, and the know-how. You've been around players that have made it to the NFL your whole life. You definitely have what it takes to make it to the next level, in our opinion. And we, like I said, man, we do appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show real quick. Where can we find you at on uh, Twitter and Instagram? Oh, yeah. Okay. So Instagram, um, bpatton1197, and then Twitter, it's just at Braden Patton. Absolutely. Well, do you have any words for Husky Nation, the fans or listeners, before we wrap up here? Yeah, we can't wait to get back on the field for Husky Nation and uh, hopefully get this thing rolling here for our season and um, just look forward to a great season. Man. Well, on behalf of the Huskies on Tap podcast and the On Tap Sports Net, Braden, we really do appreciate you taking the time to hop on the podcast here this evening. We wish you, you know, a healthy, speedy, you know, speedy season because I guess it's only going to be about eight or nine games, but a MAC championship season nonetheless we wish you the best and you know you are more than welcome to hop back on the show whenever you know the athletic department clears it and you know you want to come back perfect thank you guys thank you Evan. thank you brain hey absolutely thank, thank you, you man as well oh yeah all right boys thank you guys have a good one Alrighty, Huskies Nation, that was our interview with offensive lineman Braden Patton one of the leaders on that offensive line a real well-spoken guy Someone who has been with this program for, I believe it's been four years now. And, you know, he's, you know, he's got a little bit of an NFL pedigree. Grew up with his dad, you know, being a coach. He said, you know, at Oklahoma, Northwestern, a couple different spots around college campuses. 
So he has always had that football pedigree. And now he's here at NIU. He's leading the charge. One would assume he'll probably be playing the center position. We didn't ask him. I'm sure he would not have divulged that information if we did. But, Ethan, what were your thoughts on our interview here today with Braden? Well, first of all, I want to touch on the, that offensive pedigree that you were talking about. That's incredible that he grew up watching Adrian Peterson. Not even just watching Adrian Peterson, but being able to grow up around him and, and guys like that on that really good Oklahoma team. I know I talked to you uh, on mute while he was answering uh, the question, and I said, wasn't that Oklahoma team really good? And uh, it was really good. So uh, for him to bring that kind of offensive pedigree to Northern um, and, and really just the knowledge that he has growing up of the game, bringing that to NIU, and, and like you said, being a leader on the offensive line, and really a guy that talked a lot about the run game this year, I mean, that's a guy that's going to be leading this run game. Yeah, and I... Uh... I did myself a disservice because, you know, I always talk about how we're a run-heavy offense, and I was going to put that towards my question, you know, towards my electric chair question, if, you know, you, you were in a run offense or a pass offense for the rest of your career, which one would it be? But you got to love hearing that, that the center is just ready to go to war um, against virtually anyone. I mean, at 6'5", 300 pounds, there's not too many people on God's green earth that would want to mess with you regardless, you know, even if you are playing football, it's still probably not an ideal matchup that most people have. And, you know, he, he actually really gives off like a gentle giant vibe because he's I'm not going to say anyone that we've had on the podcast isn't nice, but he's a very nice, he's a very nice guy. He's very respectful um, and just had great stories and stuff to talk about football. Ethan, do you have anything to wrap up on the interview before we hop into the last section of the show? Uh, just, I mean, like you talked about, great individual, another guy that represents the school the right way, represents the football team the right way, just a guy that works hard every day. I mean, you talked uh, about in the quarantine that he had an access to a gym, and uh, he's one of the lucky ones that had that access. Other guys were working out lifting chairs, lifting tables, but either way, he was one of the, the many on this football team that were productive this offseason, and it's going to be a guy to watch out for this upcoming season, regardless of what. Yeah, and that's one of those guys next year when you, we're out there at NIU Pro Day that the scouts are going to be following around for a majority of the afternoon, someone who has that NFL pedigree, and maybe he'll end up with his buddy over there in Houston, Max Sharping. That'd be pretty cool to see. But, Ethan, we've made it to our very first listener question session of the podcast. Uh, we've, you know, we've prided ourselves on trying to be as interactive as possible with our fan base because we know the NIU fan base, while it may not be big, um, you know, it's definitely a group of people that sticks close together. You know, we always, you know, make sure to get the podcast and all of our recent articles over there onto the NIU Huskies page on Facebook. The Twitter page is always a great spot to find, you know, what we have going on and stuff that we're writing about um, and, and, you know, talking about. But we just, you know, we love covering this team and we love this community. Ethan, before we hop into this, you know, any anything to kind of piggyback off that real quick? No, it's just been really fun. I mean, interacting with people on Twitter, interacting with people on Facebook. I mean, I think it's fun to get involved with the NIU sports community as well, just because there is such a vast variety of them. And there are a lot of them out there. And we try to not only connect with the older generation of fans, but the student population as well. So um, and being able to be a driving force and trying to get the attendance back up is something that I think you and I both take pride in and, and trying to get people back into the stands at, at Husky Stadium. And it sucks that you know this is the year, unfortunately, that we may not be able to get anybody in the stands. So it's kind of unfortunate from that route. But um, no, I mean, it's it's just been a super fun ride so far and getting to know uh, the athletes on and off the field and, and letting our listeners get to know the athletes on and off the field as well is something that's really cool. And, and I really hope that uh, the listeners love it as well. Yeah. And, you know, for the listeners that don't know us on a personal level, that's just mine and Ethan's luck. Uh, you know, Ethan and I have known each other for probably about so probably about six, seven years at this point. And while we are, I would like to say, both pretty successful young men, we also have extremely bad luck. And uh, I got to say, that's just on par for the course. But yeah, like you said, man, it has been a blast. And, you know, when we got to campus, we didn't really, you know, we didn't really see too many outlets like ourselves covering NIU. So, you know, we just thought it, it had to be done. You know, once we were able to start, you know, getting interaction with players and coaches, it was a no brainer. 
Now we're getting interaction with the fans. We have your questions. We got about, I think, you know, I set the bar pretty high. I thought we were going to get close to 10. And looking at them right now, we got one, two, three, four, five. We got seven questions. So I think that's a pretty good start. Uh, I'm going to go with the first one here real quick from our guy. If I butch the name, Nick, you know I, I butch the names. I'm sure you've listened to plenty of episodes at this point. But uh, Nick Benescu, he asked, Ethan, he said, what changes do you see sports taking over or taking once everything gets back to a normal state of play? I think it's that's tough because we don't really know what's going to happen going forward. I personally think that college football will happen in the spring. Uh, obviously, don't know that for a fact. But as far as the changes coming, I mean, I think you're going to see – uh, a lot of masks going forward, um, regardless of what happens. I mean, I know the Bears came out and said that they want to put like 7,000 people in the stands. I don't know if Northern is going to, you know, try to put a certain number in the stands as well. Uh, but either way, I mean, I've been to what two live baseball games now, and um, and it's pretty much a normal baseball game, baseball atmosphere, other than you know you're wearing a mask on the concourse. So if that's something that changes, uh, obviously that's going to be. Uh, a, a big change going forward but um, as far as the the way the sport is I don't think you're going to see many changes I think everything's going to remain the same it's just going to be about the safety of the student athletes and the players going forward yeah and I think that's a great question Nick a question that has to be asked especially in these unprecedented times and you know I got to go with Ethan on this one you know if you've if you've been paying attention to you know the sports that have been going on you know the UFC NASCAR, the MLB's back. A lot of athletes or staff members, coaches, what you know, what have you, are wearing masks. You know, I was watching the Cubs game this afternoon, and, and even all weekend, David Ross has been wearing one of those neck gaiters. So, I mean, this is something that the people that are out there understand that they need to either be masked up or you know do the proper precautions to make sure that all the players are safe. And the people that are around, you know, staff members, the very, you know, the skeleton game day crews and the reporters and people that are around the teams are in a safe environment. And one thing I got to say, too, is, you know, to our listeners or to just people out there, don't be that guy. If you're in public, wear the mask. It's an inconvenience, but we all got to do it. And it's, you know, it's just going to help us get back to some sense of normalcy in a quicker state of fashion. But back to the football, you know, the football side of things. This one was a, I guess you would say a little bit of a controversial question, but Dan Dick asked, how do we win a bowl game? And, you know, before we answer this, the all-time record for NIU in bowl games is four and nine, which is not ideal. But Ethan, do you have a cure to our bowl game sickness? Well, that's a loaded question. How do we win a bowl game? I definitely think there's many parts that I can answer that with but uh wow that is definitely a loaded question how do we win a bowl game uh well the record clearly does not go well in our favor but look i mean we've we've seen enough we've talked enough of the guys inside the program we've talked to coach hammock this team is trending upwards there's a lot of talent coming into this program there's a lot of young talent and there's a lot of talent that you know juniors and seniors the upperclassmen as well i really think that this team is well-rounded um i think even before the pandemic hit and we talked about it many times before the pandemic hit. This team was going to make its way back to Detroit this season. If there was a season to do it, it was going to be this one. Ultimately, I think we'll get back to a bowl game. Um, obviously, we don't know what the season will be like this year, whether it be eight games, nine games, whatever it may be, um, or even if there are bowl games this year. But either way, I think that this team is close. I think that there's a lot of, uh, a lot of work that we need to see on the field first. I think that there's a lot of talent that came in, like I said, and once we see them hit the field, whenever that may be, I think we'll get a better idea of, of how well this team worked this season or in the summer, and, and hopefully we get back to Detroit and, and get back to a bowl game. Yeah, and it goes back to what our guy Ross Bowers said on the podcast at the very beginning of this quarantine. What you do in the dark will come to light. And like I said earlier in the podcast, the rest of the MAC and whoever you know we end up with on our schedule – they got to come see us between those lines. And, you know, like you said, Ethan, talented bunch, super athletic. I really like, you know, the, you know, the line that we have on offense and defense. Like there is just not a gap on this team. And we have depth. That's like that goes so unnoticed on so many teams because everyone is so top heavy. Coach Hammock and even Coach Carey, they recruited this team well so that, hey, if, you know, your star receiver goes down. You have a guy that can, you know, say, you know, 
one of our guys goes down, there's a couple people that can come in and fill that spot and fill it adequately. But on the topic of a bowl game, obviously we have to get there first. Uh, Ethan, you said it. I think this is a team that is a dark horse MAC championship contender team. We're not just saying that because we're talking about them, but we actually do believe this team does have the talent on the roster to get to the, you know to get to Detroit, not only get there but to win that game. We don't know what the bowl landscape will be like this year with the scheduling going all haywire and every conference basically making their own decisions. But I will say this: Coach Hammock will have those guys prepared. The coaching staff and the players have worked hard. To get to that moment, I highly, highly doubt they're going to blow it once they get there. But anything can happen. Uh, the last NIU Bowl victory was 2011 in the GoDaddy Bowl against Arkansas State. So we ideally would like to get that down before it reaches a 10-year mark. And I, I have full confidence that they will do so this year. Uh, but getting into the next question real quick, this is from Stephen, Stephen or Stephen Goal. Why are we seeing kids transfer? It's another tough question from our audience, but I think I've touched on it once before, a couple times before. You're seeing a new coach come in and to replace a guy who's been around here for quite some time. You're going to get a lot of the guys who don't don't agree with the system, you know, would rather follow the coach that recruited him into the university, things like that. Um, you know, we saw that a lot this year, obviously, but like I said, I think it's a it's a transition period. I think any football team, any major team in general would change their course after something like that happens. You know, uh, we've talked to enough players and, and we've heard a lot of their stories that coaches have recruited them to certain universities. And, and obviously they feel a certain level of trust with that coach. And, and if he's not at the university, then, um, you know, some people feel better following that coach. So I could see that as well. But really, I think it's just a matter of the new coach, a new system, things like that. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with that one. It's, you know, there's everybody has a different situation. Not every transfer leaves for the same reason, but this is the hottest time in college football across the nation for players to transfer. You see every I honestly, Steven, I want you to I want you to do this for me. You know, when you get to the portion of the podcast, I want you to find me a division 1 school that did not have a player transfer out because it is I guess you would say an epidemic, not a pandemic, but an epidemic in college football. This is the age of the transfer, and it's unfortunate that we got hit with that bug this year. But I will tell you this, Stephen, we were able to make up for it in recruiting via the 2020 and the you know the tail end of the 2020 class. Hammock was working real late, got some JUCO guys, slid in a quarterback from Washington State and Eastern Mississippi Community College. They definitely made up for a lot of the roster spots that were lost. It is unfortunate that we did lose a lot of our talented guys, but Guys like Lorbeck and Heflin going to Iowa went there because they, you know, they are probably going to be day three picks in the NFL draft. And they felt like going and playing in the Big Ten would help them get there a lot better. All right. And our next question comes from Alan Shadrick. Alan asks, will we be able to see games in person, football or basketball this year? Uh, basketball, I think, will be tougher because uh, we don't really know that far in what happened. Um, obviously, we hope that we will see basketball again. We hope that we see sports in person again. Um, football, like I said, I think is still up in the air with it not being uh, decided yet if it's going to be in the fall or the spring. Um, I think you're more likely to see fans in attendance if it's in the spring. But if you're talking fall college football, I highly doubt you will see any fans uh, in attendance for fall college football. Yeah, it's an unfortunate situation, but I guess the one thing you got to look at, and we talked about it earlier on the podcast, is with college athletics, it's a whole different ball game than with the pros because those guys are, you know, they're going back to a nice big house. They have a nice check. They're compensated, you know, properly for it. And in college, you know, they're not getting paid. The reality of the situation is, over 80 to 95 percent of these guys are not going to be playing football for a profession when they leave school. So this is it for them. So they really, you know, it would be a shame to lose it because of a pandemic. And I guess you would say it, it's going to come down to local and state governments on what they are going to allow in their you know, facilities. Ethan, I know you had mentioned that you had been at a couple of Chicago Dogs games. Those look like a lot of fun. That's a professional organization. They don't eat if there's no fans in the seats. 
NIU, it's kind of the same deal. We do need the fans and the seats to, you know, make some money because this is a school that I don't know if a lot of people know that, but we're a tuition-based school. We make a vast majority of our money off tuition, and without tuition, it, it's it's tough sledding for NIU. Anything else that we get from the athletic department is basically just bonus money. But we got two more questions here, and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up for this episode. So we have Scott Brand. He said, many Division II and three schools are not playing fall sports because of cost. The NIU football program runs at a loss each year, even with ESPN money. Will the financial loss be greater this year? Does it make sense if the loss is greater to play football this season? That's one definitely tough as well. Multiple parts to it. Um, we'll start with the, the financial loss year. I definitely do think, unfortunately, it will be, um, regardless of, uh, if we're going to see fans in attendance or not, I think the numbers are going to be limited regardless. So that's going to be tough. Um, obviously, we've struggled with attendance the last couple of years. So, um, you know, hopefully things don't get too bad in terms of that. But I definitely do think financial loss will be greater this year. If the loss is greater to play college football this season, I don't really see the financial loss affecting college football being played. I, I think ultimately it's just going to come down to the NCAA making a decision on that. Yeah, I, I really, I, I think it's tough, but I, I don't think that the financial loss will affect college football being played this year. Yeah, and I think, you know, to make it more of a, uh, you know, levelable, I guess you would say reference, think of all of the restaurants and mom and pop shops that did not see the other side of the pandemic. Those are going to be your small schools. Those are going to be, you know, dare I say, you know, because I don't think it'll happen to us, but there will be schools that, you know, if there's no football season that don't come back for a football season in 2021 because college football is a billion dollar industry as a whole, regardless of if we can, you know, contribute a large chunk to that or not. We are a part of the big picture. We're part of the MAC conference. We have obligations to that conference. I do believe that at the end of the day, College football this season will get played. It may be delayed, and, you know, as we've talked about, it could be in the spring. Whatever they deem the best course of action with this pandemic for our athletes, for our students, and even for guys like us, you know, I don't know what the media availability or or if we're going to even be able to attend the games, but, you know, we got to make sure we're getting tested. We got to make sure that, you know, we're safe trying to get the coverage to the people because at the end of the day, we don't even get paid for this. So I would, Ethan, I don't know if you would be pretty pissed off if you went and caught something while just doing some freelance work to build your resume, but yeah, it would be an unfortunate situation. But at the end of the day, I, I just don't see the cost coming into it. The only way NIU does not set foot on the football field this season is if Dr. Fauci or, you know, one of the head people make sure that there's no college football. Other than that, they're going to literally have to drag that team off the field. All right. And our last question here. For the fan questions, we have Steve Wilcox. How do we know we're going to get a season? When will the final decision be made? And what about the non-conference games? This was asked, let me tell you, before the Iowa and Maryland cancellations. So, Steve, that's on us for taking a little bit of vacation time. I apologize on that, big fella. Yeah, like Brandon said, obviously the non-conference games uh, are off the schedule. Um, I think in terms of the schedule... That's pretty much what we're going to see. The nine games with our eight conference with BYU. You know, we might see the eight games. They might cancel the BYU game in general. So how do we know we're going to get a season? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think anyone does know the answer to that. Uh, it's a day-by-day process. That's what I've been going with. When will the final decision be made? That's kind of the same thing. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that we're probably going to hear something within the next couple of weeks. With it being August, college football is slated to start now middle of September. So I'm assuming we should hear something soon. But, I mean, with the NCAA, you just never know. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's it's going to be tough. But, Ethan, I, you know, you nailed that one again. It is – it's coming up a lot quicker than we, we – can imagine it's the last week of july here the first you know the second week of september is when that season is slated to start so i would assume in the next three weeks or so there will be a decision made on the college football season but i do apologize steve we're just a couple podcasters trying to get the news to the people and we do not have the answer to that but i will tell you this 
when we do get the news of whether or not there will be a season, that first article that you see on your timeline will be from the ONTAP Sportsnet, courtesy of either me or your guy, Ethan. But Ethan, do you have anything, you know, before we wrap up the show today? It was a great episode. We got to hang with Braden Patton for a little while. We did some fan questions and we did our little NIU news rundown because it has been quite a few weeks since we've been on the microphone. Yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that we've lost three games so far. Hopefully we don't lose more, but I, I think we have a, very, a lot of very optimistic fans going through these questions, asking about when uh, decisions are going to be made. How do we know if we're going to, to see it in person? I think we've all asked the same questions you guys have, and we still ask those same questions. But, you know, feel free to keep sending us in the questions. We want to keep answering the questions. Uh, thank you for sending them in this week, and we hope to get more and, and answer them going forward. Yeah, and that, I mean, we could almost work that into a weekly segment depending on you know how many questions you guys have for us but you know I'm not going to keep you guys too much longer if you've made it to this point into the episode we really do appreciate you this was Huskies this was Huskies on tap presented to you by the on tap sports net today we hopped into many different things we had our NIU news session at the beginning uh you know we were able to hang out with the offensive line captain Braden Patton for a little while catch up with him how his quarantine went you know how he got to NIU and you know what he what he's been doing to you know become one of those guys on the team that's a leader and a captain and then too you know we hopped into it a little bit got into the fan questions here kind of had a little bit of a pulse to see what you know the fans are feeling a lot of questions not you know not knowing whether or not we're going to have a season or not but it's going to be tough we really do appreciate you guys for tuning in to the huskies on tap podcast today and go huskies